Welcome to Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. It's bonus episode number two. I am Ali Matu, and AJ Conrad is on assignment. But have no fear, because I am joined by our most guested guest host, Mr. Bill Wadman. Welcome back, Bill. Thank you very much, Ali. Uh, am I actually still the most guested guest host? You're, you've uh, taken, you've gone beyond... Uh, Mr. Uh, Derek, right. as well as yeah, I think Derek's the only one. How, long, how many uh, times is uh, Diana? Uh, Diana's been on twice. Okay, All I right. think then, or then three I will... times. I don't know. Uh, right. Two or three. Well, this will definitely yeah. put me over the top. <laughs> this Let's just year, talk about yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll probably have Derek back for like a Doctor Who or something. So I'm, I'm sure he'll be back in the club pretty soon. Um, so what we're doing here is we're going off uh, our normal schedule, and we wanted to do an episode that kind of touches upon big picture stuff that's happening right now in the world of nerdery. We're not really going to be delving into any spoilers or doing a deep dive into any one thing, but we're going to talk about a larger theme that has emerged this summer, this year, probably the last few years. But Bill, all of this has really come across based upon a conversation you and I started to have based on what was announced yesterday. What was, what's going on? A lot of Star Wars news, right? Let me, a lot. Let me, let me get this right. There are 27 movies in the series now. Yes. Are, <laughs> to be, there will be 27, yeah. No, but the, 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 episode 7 isn't even out. No, The Force Awakens coming out this December. Right. But they've already announced Rogue One. Yes. Episode 8, and now the director for Episode 9, and a Han Solo movie. So basically, there are five movies coming, all of which we haven't seen yet. For the next five years or so, there is going to be a Star Wars movie coming out every year. We've got J.J. Abrams' The Force Awakens, um, Star Wars Episode 8 by uh, Ryan Johnson, which uh, many will remember as the director of Looper, one of my favorite sci-fi films from the past few years. And then episode nine will be coming out in 2019 by Colin Trevorrow, who just did made bundles of money <laughs> with uh, Jurassic World. And then in between all of those, we're going to have, yep, Rogue One, which right. is about the stealing the Death Star plans. And then we're going to have a Han Solo solo film. Yeah. And then there's going to be something else there. Maybe, I don't know, Boba Fett. Who knows? What's amazing about this is that, you know anything about the Intel TikTok cycle? No. Okay, so this is, it'll come around in about 20 seconds. Intel does this thing where they like make smaller chips. Yeah. So they make a smaller chip and then they make a revision to the chip. So like they'll bring it down to 14 nanometers and then the next version is still 14 nanometers, but they make changes to the architecture of the chip. So it's like more efficient or faster. But then they'll take that, the second, the correct, you know, the better one and then make that smaller to say 10 nanometers and then they'll make it smaller. So they make it smaller and then they make it better. Then they make it smaller, then they make it better. And they sort of leapfrog each other. And Marvel started doing that with their movies. So it's an Avengers movie, but then it's a Captain America movie. Then it's Avengers movie. And then it's a Thor movie. Or then it's, you know, they like doing this thing. phases. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, they go through these cycles. And it feels like the guys at Disney were just like, oh, well, this worked perfectly well for Marvel. <laughs> Let's just do the same thing for Star Wars, right? Is this kind of basically what's happening? It's it's that model. It's um, Which is probably what they were planning when they bought it in the first place. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Disney spent so much money purchasing this. And, and this how, is part well, of— How much is so much? Was it like $4 billion? It was It was billions of dollars. Yeah, but uh, they're going to make that back in— 
they're trying three to. Three or four years. Well, they're, as, they're as trying as, to, yeah. and that's part of what was announced. Is not only are we getting these what were going to be the anthology films, now they're calling them a Star Wars story. Um, wait, 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 wait. What's called a Star Wars story? These one-offs. The, 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 the Rogue, Rogue one. one, the Han Solo, the things that don't take place in the larger saga. So so now they're they're sort of like a extended universe little vignettes. Yes, but of. don't say the words extended universe Excuse me, because that's, those, a, whole other that's thing. a whole other thing that <laughs> it doesn't really, it's more of a Legends thing now. It doesn't really exist, but it kind of <laughs> does. Um, but the other part of the announcement, which we all saw coming, was the announcement that there's going to be a Star Wars land at Disneyland and Disney World. Oh, it's too much. No, it's not. That is not too much. (laughs) Because anyone who's written, who's gone on Star Tours, knows that Disney and and Star Wars, and I should say Disney and Lucasfilm, because we factor in the Indiana Jones ride, um, those are really magical The Indiana Jones ride in L.A. In uh, in, in Anaheim. Yeah, you're you're in the Jeep or whatever it is, and Uh, then there's the part where it drops down or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Don't look at the eye. Don't look at the eye. I actually enjoyed that one. It's a great ride. It's a great ride. And the kind of wannabe version at Disney World is Dinosaurs, which is that, but with dinosaurs. It's not as good, but it's a really great experience. What Disney does so well is... (laughs) telling these stories and creating these worlds on their rides that begin with a queue and go all the way to the end of the ride. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. great experiences. So I, I want to go to the Star Wars land. I think that's going to be amazing. Okay, let me ask you a question. Yes. Would it ever be too much for you? Well, that's what we're talking about today, right? right. Because like as, as, as all this news was, you know, my Twitter feed was taken over by this D23... Disney Comic-Con thing news and Star Wars news coming out of it yesterday. And you and I started talking about this. The question is, how much is too much? Because this reminds me so much of where Star Trek was in the 1990s. Right. You know, we had Star Trek The Next Generation incredibly popular. Yeah. And then right as that was ending, they started production on Star Trek Generations. As that was happening, DS9 was still airing. And Voyager was in pre-production. Yeah. And then we had Star Trek The Experience, which was a little bit of an amusement park in... Um, That's the Vegas in, thing? The Vegas... Ana- uh, not Vegas Anaheim, but Vegas Hilton, which closed down, sadly. In- Didn't it move to, like, the MGM Grand or something? No, it, there were many talks of it going elsewhere or being uh, relaunched in some other form. It was such a great experience. Um I mean, I guess no spoilers alert, but like on one of the rides, you actually beam up. Okay. And it's amazing. I went there twice and I wish I had gone there more, but that closed in the <laughs> mid mid 2000s. But larger, larger picture here. Um, what happened to Star Trek in the 90s was a classic mistake of the 90s, which was over expanding very quickly. And that led to basically the franchise imploding on itself and needing a reboot from J.J. Abrams. And now we're at a very slim franchise that is just these movies. And yeah, Star Trek Beyond's coming out next year. But beyond that, there's not much Star Trek. But Star Wars, we're getting, we're about to get... Inundated. Inundated. There's already Star Star Wars Rebels, which is great. But... um, this is one of my fears. Is um, wait, that's the second animated one, right? This yeah, is I second watched a animated. Few of that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good, minus yeah. the hair. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, how much is too much, Bill? I think about this all the time, and I it's like I look at the amount of stuff that's coming out, and like, look, if you're a little kid and you're into Star Wars, right? Yeah, and these movies are coming out once a year. Once every other year, is it? End, it's going to end up being once a once a year, correct? Once a year, yeah. Right? Okay. 
Uh, which is basically what the Marvels, the cadence, the Marvel stuff is at. Marvel has more movies coming out. They average about two a year. Is right it really now. that much? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So let me ask you that. Do, do you feel like in the last, how many movies have there been? Seven or eight Marvel movies? A lot. Right? Yeah. Do you ever feel like, oh, God, not another Marvel movie? A little bit. I mean, I felt that way this year with Avengers. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it really felt like a movie that exists primarily to set up more stuff than. Right a movie that really exists for its own sake. And, but we're old people. Uh, yeah, well, we're old people. That is true. But see, I uh, remember like the waiting for Star Wars to come around again, even for the prequels. Yeah. That was magical in part because of the wait. Yeah, yeah. And and in part because it was such a scarce, there was a scarcity. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was a, a resource that it's not easy to consume. Um, and... There were the those lines from months and months and months leading up to it, and part of the problem with that bill was there was so much anticipation that so many people were were so underwhelmed by yeah. the prequels. And we can have debates about the quality of them, and yeah. that's a whole other discussion onto itself. Not that there isn't a whole lot of weight on J.J. Abrams right now. For oh, December, absolutely, absolutely. But it looks like it might actually live up to at least some of the hype. Based on the promotional material, and but you know we we but we had that you know everyone went crazy with the Star Wars Phantom Menace trailer when that yeah, came out. Yeah, that's true. You know, I remember seeing that with. But I trust Wing J. J. Abrams more than I, I trust uh, trust Lucas. Well, it's easy to say that in Circa retrospect. Now. It's so easy to say that in retrospect now, but people were so pumped for for Phantom Menace. Yeah, like seeing Darth Maul and seeing the two the two sided <laughs> lightsaber. That was magic when that happened. Well, the funny thing is that like when you there's always sort of like the famous mythology of Lucas coming in and saying, it's all right. I don't really want any money from the movie. I just want the rights to be able to sell the toys and do that. I mean, that was that was the classic sort of thing. uh, Just give me the toys. You know what I mean? Right. Like giving the merchandising and like, oh, sure. You can have that. Yeah. yeah, Who cares about merchandise? Exactly. And that ended up being this multi-billion dollar industry. Absolutely. And, And so. And they still make better toys than Star Trek, which always pisses me off. Yeah, I, I think, want I want Star Trek, you know Star what? Wars quality Star that, Trek. That toys. is okay. Whole little parenthetical side. I feel like the that that playing with Star Wars toys, Star Wars lends itself to toys and playing with toys more than Star Trek does. BS. I want my <laughs> observation room with Picard and Riker and Troy and Crusher and Worf and them debating what to do with these ambassadors that they have on board. I think that makes for a really good quality childhood play. <laughs> you have a lot of friends when you're a kid? <laughs> Not too many. I had my action figures in my Star Trek micro machines. Uh, but, 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 so I hesitate going back to the whole commerce side of the whole thing. Yes. Like, I hesitate to even say this, but there does feel to be like, do we need 12 of these movies or are they just doing that because it's a money machine and they can make a lot of money? Well, Disney's very good at making money. <clears throat> yeah. And, and is there something wrong with that? I don't I, I no, don't know. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, uh, look, we had. OK, just a few weeks ago uh, on this show, we reviewed Rogue Nation. The new Mission Impossible. Yes, movie. right, right, right. And this is a series that has been um, going on since the '90s. There's been five films. Yep. Since the '90s, and it's you know it's been at least there are years between them. There's though. years <laughs> between them, and yeah. what's cool about the Mission Impossible franchise is um, while it's reliable and dependable, Tom Cruise, who's the, uh, the one of the executive producers on board here, 
he brings in new directors. It's a new vision. Yep. You know, you have Mission Impossible <laughs> Two, which is they very feel, John Woo. Yeah. They, yeah, in fact, I want man. I watched. I know you said that that used to be your favorite, <laughs> right? You yeah. mentioned that, and then I rewatched I, it. I rewatched it the other day, and yeah. I was just like, I love Bandy <laughs> Newton. I think she's super hot. Oh my so, like, gosh. I'm fine with that. But she's like, so I was watching. I was like, wow, this is just so painful. Like to watch some of these. <laughs> but 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 yeah. But that was one of the good things about that, right? Where they yeah. bring a different feel. Does and that they're, and they're years as, apart. Yeah, and, but yeah. does that was that sort of system work as well in sci-fi? I mean, I guess it's working fine in Marvel, so maybe I take it away. But I just sometimes I just feel like we're we're in this we're all along for this ride that 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 Disney has made us go on. Well, it's not just Disney. Um, <clears throat> it's it's a lot of these different um, a lot of these different studios and. You know, Paramount definitely tried it with Star Trek, and that imploded. Their golden goose stopped laying all those eggs. Yeah, but how many how uh, many Star Trek movies are there? Nine. Well, there's twelve that have nine. Twelve. There's twelve that have been released. Wait, what is the new one? Look, you got one to six, which right. is the original series, right, okay. and then you've got Star Trek Generations: First Contact, Insurrection, Nemesis, which brings you up to ten. Then you've got Star Trek 2009, and then you've got Star oh, the Trek new, in the, the Darkness, right, right, right. and then you've got Star Trek Beyond, which is coming out, and right. not to mention the five TV shows, and don't forget the animated series. Okay, okay, no, well, th- there's a good example. Yeah. There are how many episodes of Voyager? Like 130? No, nah, it's more than 130, I okay, think. Okay. Seven seasons. Okay, well, yeah, yeah just get, you know, throw out a, a seven times three. Yeah, it's 200 episodes it's or some lot. ridiculous yeah. thing, right? Similar thing of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Similar thing of Next Generation. Yes. The original three seasons of of whatever it is. Yeah. Four seasons of of Enterprise. Yeah. Is is not eight hundred episodes of television <laughs> enough for for a, a franchise? You know what I'm saying? Like, is there a point at which it's like, okay, we get it. This world is large enough. Well, that's Let's move now, on to something now. So new. that brings up the. That brings up the fandom and the creativity side because as a fan, I want my immediate gut instinct is to say no. I want more Star Trek. Of course. However, I've also they got you hooked. Though. They got me hooked. I need to pump it into my veins, Bill. Pump it into my veins. Um, at the same time, though, you look at the quality of of some of it. You'd look at the quality of Enterprise. Yep. Um, and what happened when you had this machine of producers that kept pumping out the same kind of thing? Yep. It got to a point where it just felt very tired and lazy. Am I the only and, person who liked Enterprise? I liked the last season. I love okay. the last season. I actually didn't. I didn't mind almost all of Enterprise. I like. I actually liked Bakula, but that's a whole other. That's a whole other thing. Mm, I didn't really think they did know what knew what to do with this I knew, character. I loved flocks, but that's a whole other uh, thing. Too. His smile was creepy. But so here's the thing for me is I got to a point where Star Trek where I felt like we were repeating the same stories. Okay. And what I love about Voyager is when they did some new interesting stuff. What I didn't like about it is when it felt like the next generation. And again. when they were salamanders having sex. Oh weird yeah, when you finally go warp <laughs> ten, right? But so. <laughs> As a fan, there's a lot to be said about um, limiting how much I experience. And then on the creative on the creative side, you know, I think it's really hard to create new stories when there's this massive canon. And that's of to the credit, episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, to the credit of J.J. Abrams, he walked into this and he's like, "Look, there's this whole expanded universe in Star I gotta Wars. Start over. Oh, I yeah. got to start over. If if I'm gonna make it interesting for fans." We have to kind of put that stuff on the side, which here. is interesting because it's the same thing he did with Star Trek. It's the same thing he did with Star Trek. Re- Reboot Star Trek. Let's give it a new parallel universe here. So, I mean, do we need more? Like, I, I always think there's room for science fiction. 
to comment on what's happening in society. Absolutely. And Star Trek does that well, but we've got really new, interesting, innovative yeah. stuff. We've yeah. got um, Humans, which is a great yeah. show yeah. right now. We've got Black Mirror, yeah. which is a fantastic yeah. show. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's there's room for new and interesting I, stuff you, too. You even like look at books. It's like other than the Hardy Boys and and that sure. kind of stuff. I mean, there aren't book series that go to 250 books or 800 books. No. You know, it's like you have a book, you have stories, you have characters, and you move on to the next one. It, I I've been obsessed with uh, David Foster Wallace lately because of the new yeah. movie that's out, and I, I keep meaning to go see it. And I haven't read Infinite Jest, but I've been watching all these interviews with him lately, and. Uh, he was talking to Charlie Rose and about, I forget what movie it was. Like, oh, it was English Patient. Sure. He said, what did you think of the English Patient? He's just like, are you really asking me what I thought about <laughs> the movie? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, well, he goes, I thought it was really well done. I thought the lighting was great. He goes, I thought it was, you know, the ending was predictable and whatever it is. He's just like, it was really well done, predictable stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, but isn't the whole thing about stories and things is that there are those, you know, whatever the the classic eight different stories or whatever they yeah. say, the Shakespeare, like the like prototypical, like human, yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, do we need to increase have, conflict tension, conflict yeah, yeah, tension? Yeah. Do, do we need to have unpredictable stories? Does everything need to be same or can we have 12 different episodes of, of Star Wars where in the next five years where we're going to see like all these people come and go and we know those heroes are going to win at the end. Like, why do we get still get satisfied by the same thing over and over again? We go to a Marvel thing. You always know that captain America is going to win in the end. Like what? Well, so I, so I had lots of thoughts and feelings yesterday when, with all the star Wars news and I read uh, from the official press release, which I'm sure was edited and massaged by, by the PR teams and all of that. But Trevorrow, the newly announced uh, director of Star Trek or Star Wars episode nine, Uh, (laughs) don't don't tell anyone I did that. (laughs) Um, He said uh, in, in the announcement of taking over the job for directing that last of this new sequel trilogy, this is not a job or an assignment. It is a seat at a campfire surrounded by an extraordinary group of storytellers, filmmakers, artists, and craftspeople. We have been changed by uh, we have been charged with telling new stories for a younger generation because they deserve what we had, a mythology to call their own. We will do this by channeling something George Lucas instilled in all of us: boundless creativity, pure invention, and hope. And I think that's it. That's the answer I, to your question right I am, there. And I am perfectly fine with that sentiment. It's like, is that the sentiment or is that the smoke screen that makes you not feel bad about the fact that you're paying 16 bucks every year? Or is it like, a little bit of both? Yeah. You know, I think that's that's what I, I think the artists, I think all the directors and all the artists and all the actors and all the writers who work on these things, I really do think they're doing it, trying to make a good movie and make it fun and whatever Absolutely. it is. But like, it's like, you know, the people who come see these things, it's like, they'll take, they'll watch a thousand Star Wars people who are into yeah. Star Wars will watch a thousand Star Wars. You've watched a thousand hours of Star Trek. Yep. You know what I'm Multiple saying? Multiple times. Like, yeah, you will. <laughs> <laughs> you you will you'll you'll keep taking it until like until you're dead. Yeah. Like you'll just you know. Yeah. Is it like where does that come from? Is that but a, but not well? Where does that come from? I mean, I know where it comes from with you and your history. And, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 you know it. Is that good? Is that a good thing psychologically? Like you're the you're the psychologist. You know what I mean? Like, is there a point at which it's like that people are living in some other world? You know what I mean? I mean that happens for some people. That that absolutely does happen for some people. Where there is um, your love of something becomes 
a barrier for you to experience other stuff, for you to be able to do the things that you have to do in the day. Yeah. Look, if I sat at home and watched Star Trek all day long, as amazing as that would be, uh, <laughs> for a little bit. He's just like, as much as I'd love to do that, if anyone wants to give me a grant of a million yeah, dollars. Yeah, oh, gosh. Yes, please. NIH, please give me a grant to do a study. A, a study of sample size of one. What happens if a psychologist sits around and watches Star Trek for the next two years? I'm sure years? there'll be great value to society for that experiment. Anyway, go ahead, sorry. Um, but, you know, as, as amazing that would be for a little bit, what I find so rewarding about about all of these different franchises is the discussion, the thoughts, the ideas, what the the conversations that come out of it. And if doing that made it hard for me to hold a job or to contribute to society or to my family, my loved ones, things like that, then absolutely it becomes yeah. a problem. I think that's that's a smaller group of people. I think Having gone to a lot of Comic-Cons, the majority of, and if you check out the Psych Show episode on the psychology of Comic-Con, yeah. really good episode there talking about <laughs> why people go. It's about connecting with other people. But there are some who really struggle with this. And <clears throat> Comic-Con is another example. It, you know, you met the creator yep. of Comic-Con, and it started out as a gathering of, what, 300 people? How many yeah, people tiny. showed up? Super yeah. small. And now not only has San Diego Comic-Con grown to this... Was it 300,000 people? How many people? Not that big. It can't hold that many. I think 130,000, 130,000 people. And they sell out in X minutes. Oh, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that shows you how big... And And it's around the world. I mean, the formula of Comic-Cons has been copied and replicated all over the place. Do you think, though, that that sci-fi... The commercialization of sci-fi. Okay, there are way more people going to Comic-Con now than were at Comic-Con 10 years ago. Absolutely. It's, a, it's an order of magnitude I bigger. I blame Hollywood right? for that, Spider-Man right. okay. and so is, X-Men. Is, is, that, is that because the quality of sci-fi coming out of the commercial enterprises is as good as it was 10 years ago? Or is it sort of watered down for the masses to use a, to use like this, the sort of Marxian term, right? Well, it is the commercialization of it, which begs the question, has it been watered down? Yeah. I mean, let's look at the summer, okay? It's definitely, we, this stuff's definitely not as deep sci-fi. Like the Greg no. Bear, who you were talking about, you yeah. read a Greg Bear book. That's stuff that like makes you think for weeks about what the hell's going on in the yeah. things, you know? Well, which is what how I felt watching um, Black Mirror. It's how I feel watching um, humans. Humans is, is all right. Yep. Humans. Uh, Mr. Robot. Mr. I've, Robot. I've have you watched caught oh, up with that? So I'm not all the way caught up. Oh, this week it was less I, like what? I have really been enjoying that show, and that show's really. It's good. not necessarily sci-fi, but it is a nerdy, geeky show. Yeah. Um. But 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 let's let's yeah. also look. We've got Jurassic World, which I enjoyed. <laughs> But is a it's, complete commercial yeah, endeavor. That, complete. In, in, in a way that the first one is not. You could say, oh, yeah, the first one was the same. Yeah, the first one was about hubris. It was about, like, humanities, it's, like, you It's know. Michael Crichton and Steven Spielberg doing what they do best. Right. It was special because it's, it hadn't been done before. No, too. and it's wonder and it's awe and it's hubris and yeah, science. Right. It's all so of that. So the new one made how much money? $250 million Oh, it's made something? like a billion worldwide. Okay, billion so dollars far. worldwide, yeah. right? For a movie that was okay, it was fine. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, of course there is room, there is a place for popcorn stuff that makes people a lot of money because people just want to be entertained. Not everything and, has and to be was, thought about And forever. it doesn't have to be, yeah, it doesn't have to be thought-provoking sci-fi, but it was entertaining. It gave me that world I always wanted to see. Um, and then you compare that with something like Terminator Genesis, which... Which I did not see. I did not see. It okay. got abysmal reviews, but it took the franchise and focused in on one element of it that no one really cares about, which is time travel. It, right. You know, the time travel is not what... 
that storyline is not what makes Terminator interesting. Right. It's these ideas of no fate, but what we make, you know, determinism, uh, free will, yep. um, cool robots, like killing each other, stuff yeah. like that. But this one became all this like very timey wimey stuff that yeah. they didn't really do well. And then you've gone also compare that with something that we haven't seen much of for decades, which is Mad Max. Right. I mean, wow. Yeah. But here's the thing. I, look, I, I liked the new Mad Max movie. I thought yeah. it was impressive. I thought it was well done. I personally do not need to see it again. Like I didn't I didn't enjoy it on the on like a verse. I, I was impressed by it. Like it was well done. Visually, it was, I thought it it was it would be. Uh, but like watching it again, it felt like I was having a panic attack for two hours. Like personally, right? <laughs> I did. I did. As soon as the movie ended, I was like, Ooh, yeah, wow. exactly. Now, here's the thing. If you did that every year for 10 years, no, I couldn't that's do a one trick pony. You no, can't. No, like, you, you can't. can't. Right. Like part of the reason why Fury Road was so well. But I'm sure so people are well. screaming for him to make another one because that one did so well. Yeah, and it'll be about Furiosa. They're going to do their, they did green light two sequels, I right. think. Right. Well, there you go. Well, no, this is the exact problem, right? We had three Mad Max movies way back in the in late <clears throat> 70s and 80s. And they're, you know, the third one is the most 80s film to come out of the 80s. Yeah. Um, Super, Super Dome. No, yeah. Fu- wait, what's it called? No, Thunderball. Thund- um, yeah. Gosh, a Tina Turner. Um, but it's been such a long stretch of time since we've been in this universe and technology's advanced and the director has been working on and retooling the story and the script yeah. and the ideas. And now and has technology that allows him to do stuff exactly, he couldn't do before. Yeah. Which is very James Cameron, yeah. too, with sure. T2. Yeah. There was a 10-year break, huge advances Cameron in technology. Cameron is a good example because Cameron, I mean, other than... Well, they're making an Avatar 2, Yeah, but they? it's been such a long break since the yeah, first Yeah, so maybe Avatar. he'll do something that he... yeah. Cameron takes his time, right? And does Cameron something takes different. His time. Now, yeah. no, not every Cameron movie is actually a good movie. No, most no. of the, a and lot of them all, are. Many of them are kind of the same thing. I like the abyss though. That's, I think that might be the, the abyss, abyss is the most sci-fi of his movies. Yeah. The abyss is pretty heavy. Like if you really, you know, it's thought provoking. It's a little like 2001 esque. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I look, I, I don't mean to say that people can't make something new when they have something new to say. But if they don't have something to say and are just sort of making it because, you know, it's it's on the train to success town, like, you know, to financial success town. It's like, I don't know. I'm sure all of these Star Wars movies are actually going to be good. The Marvel movies, as a general rule, have been are, are very good movies. Yep. decently entertaining. But are they adding hours. anything to anything? Um, you know, I think they come close. They they come close. Uh, Winter Soldier came close to saying something about um, fear, politics, terrorism, um, surveillance. Sure. It came very close yeah, to saying, yeah, yeah. and in, in a very Disney way. Like, right, but yeah, but is it just using those tropes in order to, like, that's what's in the news right now. Let's talk well, about Snowden. I mean, that, and, and same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure. It was a film that I think had the best message about nostalgia and how nostalgia helps us connect with the things that made us who we are, which is what the emotion's all about. Um, it, came, it it did a pretty good job of that. Um, I mean, Bill, this begs the question of what's commerce and what's art. And in yeah. Hollywood, can you have both? Yeah, and, and look, of course you can, right? Of course this area, this the, the question is gray, right? The answer is gray. 
It's it's not I, one Spoiler or the other. alert. Well, I mean, like, look, I live in that world even more. Like, I have to this make is your job. for commerce. This right? is yeah. your Absolutely. job. And I struggle with that all the time. We struggle with that all the time. You got to pay on, the on bills. I'm taking pictures. We talk about this constantly, right? Yeah. Of course, you got to pay the bills, right? Check it out on the Five by Five Network right. on taking pictures. There you go. <laughs> but 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 there, but there is but there is a certain point at which it, it's just like it can't be. I just feel like there's got to be some line that gets crossed where it's like, okay, this is just ridiculous now. Like you're just feeding people more and more stuff and, and like, just like adding fluff to society. That's not actually making society. Well, look, a better I mean, this might get a little inside baseball, but I feel like this about <clears throat> podcasting. Yes. I don't yep. know if you, if this is something you experience, sure. but it's like, all right now to go- make a good podcast, you need to have episodes coming out every week, every 10 days, something mm-hmm. like that. They need to come out on yep. a certain date. And sorry, Super Fantastic Nerd Hour listeners, we sometimes struggle with this because we're doing this on top of our day job. Yeah. But um, you need to produce on a constant yep. rate. We are 170 episodes in and haven't missed a week. Right? Now, now <laughs> here's the thing about that is... I'm sure you've experienced this where it's like, what are we going to talk about next week? Sure. We have to come up with an idea, a topic or something. And sometimes you're kind of stretching. And sometimes that's when it's fun as a podcaster. But it's also when it's so challenging. But at the same time, Disney needs to pay all the Imagineers who are like working there. Right. They they absolutely they have a bill. They've got a pay the thousands and thousands of people who work at Disney. So like they got to have successes because all of them aren't. Yeah. You know, because yeah. Tomorrowland comes out. And while I actually thought it was a very good movie and I enjoyed it. A oh, lot, gosh, Bill. I didn't think it was. I mean, heck? I didn't think it was the best movie ever, but like I really enjoyed that movie. Um, But but like, OK, that one's not a huge. It's pouring outside. all. Of a yeah, sudden. it just started raining. So, yeah, I told you this is good podcasting come. right here. <laughs> um, but but, you know, but there's the thing, right? Like the, the flop comes that they spent hundreds of millions of dollars yeah, on. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm sure they're going to make their money back. But like, you know. But, uh, but that's how Hollywood works. You need a tent pole. You need something that's going to hold up the whole studio for the yeah. year. That's something that's going to make the money back that allows them to make some of the creative departures. Yep. You know, for every looper out there, yep. there's a, you know, Jurassic World. Yeah, like you right. can't make one without the other. Yeah. yeah. And you I, can with the Internet. You can self-fund. You can you can have people like Joss, Joss Whedon making a small movie in his home and just kind of releasing it on the Internet. Do you, you know? do you think that it comes down to um, you just have to step back and look at it and go, yes, they're going to make Jurassic World. They're going to make 400 million Marvel movies. They're going to make 400 million Star Wars movies. And you know what? Some other person is going to make Looper or Primer or all these sort of like Source weirder. Code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these like more out there or uh, ex machina. Or, yeah. you know, they're going to make, they're going to make these kinds of movies. And you just have to like, look at it as like, you know, some people are going to go for the money. Some people are going to try to do something new and maybe just having a more fertile ground for all of them to, to throw their stuff into the ring allows us to get the more artsy stuff that we maybe wouldn't have gotten before. Well, and, and yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. And one of the things that's happened with the comic book industry is really interesting. These superhero films, have kind of rejuvenated the whole industry. Yeah. And one yeah, of the but com- Marvel's not making their money from comics anymore. No, they're not, but the superhero films are boosting up sales of comic books. And the comic book industry is the only print industry where electronic yep. and paper sales are both up. Yeah, yeah, it's People true. are going to the comic book stores and buying it there. People are going on comics, not comicspedia, but um, uh, comicsology. Comicsology. Yeah. 
purchasing digital comics there. And there are a lot of people who go see Captain yeah. America yeah. and they're like, this is cool. And then they go check out comic books. Right. And of course, Disney knowing this and in their infinite vertical integration has been rebooting the comic world to boost up the characters that are in their movies yeah. and boost down the characters that they don't own the rights to. Like, there's less X-Men now, comic book stuff, and more Inhuman yeah, stuff yeah, because yeah, Marvel yeah. Studios is doing that. But um, there are people who get exposed to science fiction, to comic books, to things like this from these big Hollywood pictures and then say, okay, let me, what else is yeah. out there? And that's where some of the really thoughtful stuff is, is in print, in yeah. novel, in short it's stories. You and I, neither you nor I is a huge comic book person. No, right. No. Uh, I was in middle school and elementary I, I, school. I really wonder if the comic bump of the last f- five years has peaked. And that the, it's like that there was a resurgence of the people who were into comics because maybe they were into comics when they were in middle school or whatever it is. Yeah. Comics got cool again. Oh, I'm going to go to the comic store because now there's a comic store down the street from yep. me in Austin, Texas or whatever sure. it is, right? And they go and they they look at comics for a couple of years, but then the whole thing just sort of like weans off again, like baseball cards did or uh, like anything else. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think the, the medium is maturing. Yeah. And, and now I think you have a lot of people who have been raised on comic yeah. books. And there, there's things like Saga, which yeah. is a fantastic... Science fiction. But don't tell me you're actually looking forward to the Batman Superman movie. Uh, I mean, come on, Batman versus Superman. Superman's a god. Yeah, but Batman <laughs> is the world's best, greatest detective. Um, uh, uh, you know what? I might be looking forward to it more if Zack Snyder wasn't at the helm. To be honest with Fair you, enough. yeah. Um, but I mean, there, there's stuff in the comic book medium has really matured, and you have comics. You have like graphic print stories that go in so many different directions. Yeah. And that's really interesting and exciting. Um, so it's cool to see that. And I think the superhero film genre has become exactly that, a genre. You know, when Westerns came out, we had one kind of style of Western and that's all that yeah. existed for a long time. Yeah. And then you had deviations and departures sure. in that and things going so you're into saying superheroes real- are now the new Western. I think so. And I mean, look at this. How many Westerns do you have coming out now? Sure. Not yeah. too many, okay. but. No, you're right. I just, uh, I just look at the whole thing and it just feels like there's just so much of it. And it's, it's, it's not just a art Hollywood problem. I think about um, one of our favorite topics, which is NASA. <clears throat> Sure. NASA had this problem in um, the 70s with the sure. Apollo missions. Yeah. Like everyone was following Apollo sure. 1 through 11 immensely. Yep. Apollo 12, a little bit less. Apollo 13. Yeah, they followed you know, it because it was scary. Because it was scary. Because and 14, know, 15, 16, and 17, and no one even thought that they were still going. And we're no. still, and it's a man on the moon. Exactly. And it, no it's one cares. An amazing, it's our, the most powerful vehicle ever created yep. landing a person on the moon. But this is the classic problem we all have is habituation. The more we get exposed to the same thing, the less of an impact well, it has okay. on us. D- they're rebooting Spider-Man again, correct? Oh, yes. Right. Okay, so when are they going to give up? How many versions <laughs> of Spider-Man do we need? They're well, they just the origin try... story all over again with some other, you know, some other some other dude. kid. Yeah, and well, I... and and you know, we had a um, Fantastic 4 reboot which Completely imploded. However, I was talking to uh, our friend Craig last night about, and he, I, I somehow that came up, and he mm-hmm. said, you know, I, I read an alternate thing that was that said oh, I haven't seen it, so I'm not commenting on the movie. Either. That people were expecting a big superhero movie, 
but they did a lot of effects practically, not digitally. Apparently, a lot of the stuff they actually did that the whole universe wasn't in peril. So, yeah, like, it was yeah, actually yeah. that it actually was interesting because it wasn't what everyone wanted and expected. And and I'll yeah. see it when it comes out in video, and I'll 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 come back and return and, and tell you what I think. But like, but there, you know, there's a question there where it's like. These things just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we have the Avengers and they're moving an entire city up in the air with the thing and yeah. trying to save everyone. Yeah. It's like, oh, look. I already saw that with Man of or not Man of Steel, but Superman Returns. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, uh, that's that's a good point. And that's where like, look, let's look at Star Trek. We, we need one. a stronger hit of the stuff in order to like, get the high again. Well, we do. But we also sometimes that backfires. Uh Star Trek, the motion picture, the first film, had a huge budget. Yeah. It was coming out after Star Wars. It was Paramount's answer to Star Wars. And it wasn't really that big of a commercial success. They incredibly downed the the budget. Yep. And then they made a much more intimate movie that yep. is now known yep. as Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Right. Sometimes smaller is better. Look at Star Trek 2009 versus Star Trek Into Darkness. And Into Darkness had a much bigger budget and most fans consider it a weaker film than yep. 2009. Well, obviously, the budget doesn't, yeah, it doesn't budget correlate. Budget doesn't, yeah, bigger explosions, all that stuff yeah. doesn't really correlate with a better story. I, I think at the end of the day, Disney needs more Star Wars. Paramount needs more Star Trek. We we need, newer generations need to buy into the franchise. And the only Wait, way you do that is by making more Why of do them. newer generations need Star Trek and Star Wars? Why don't newer generations need something that the newer generation created? That's Why? risky. <clears throat> okay, yeah. For the, but, for the studio. But like you and I love Star Trek and Star yeah. Wars. Let's say we had kids right now. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, you know, like the things that our parents were into, you know, the Lone Ranger and Howdy yeah. Doody. Yeah, we're not necessarily the things that that we should. We got into Star Trek and yes. Star Wars, right? So, yeah. like, maybe the answer is to let these things go and 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 spend all the hundreds of. I know it's risky, yeah, but like spread out a hundred million dollars, give it to ten different directors. At least one of them is going to be a hit. Well, the so two things there. One is financially, the studios want you to buy more and see more of this stuff, right? Yeah, but I think it's also for us. These stories have become our modern mythology. Yes. This is when you close your eyes and imagine about different worlds and different places, you go to Tatooine. Tatooine. Exactly, <laughs> right? Or you go to Romulus, or you right. might go to the Enterprise, right. or, you know, maybe you're going. Well, that's just because we've watched 800 hours of Star Trek. Yeah. Well, and then for other people, you step inside of a TARDIS. Yep. Yep. You know, or maybe you're going to Middle Earth. Yeah, and that's another example, right? Yeah, we had the Hobbit yeah. films, sure. and that kind of fizzled out. But these are—we don't think about, you know, Odysseus. We don't really think yes, about. But ultimately, that's what those are. That's exactly what they are. And I think—I mean, for, actually, that's that particular. That's literally. it's literally what they are. Yeah, it's it's the reimagining of these classic they mythologies. They, they don't take the same place as what we thought that, that, that the old things did. They are actually are just retellings of the old They're things. They're retellings right? of the yeah. old things. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And and they are... Uh, that's important. We need that. Sure. We need stories. Uh, stories can be healing. Stories can help us grow. Stories can help us inspire. Stories can validate human experiences. They can give us guidance in times of of trouble. Um, that's why mythologies exist. Have there ever been, uh, have there ever been studies on, you know, people who go see a certain movie and it yeah. like inspires them or yeah. makes them think about their life differently or whatever it is. They become artists. They become engineers. Sure. Okay. 
scientists. Yes, yes, that's that's the story. Photographers, podcasters, Absolutely. psychologists. But 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 I wonder if there's ever been sort of a, a real study on how often that inspiration actually leads to effect in the real world. It's a com- that's a complicated study. <laughs> Absolutely, to do. Like but that- it's just it's I, I just find that interesting because everyone always yeah. points to that like oh it changes people like yeah. It changes well, people, but how does it? How much? How often does it actually affect? You know, one of the most like fascinating things about stories, the research on story, and look, like like those are the biggest questions people have in psychology: is cause and effect. Sure, did this cause that? And, and way too many variables. In that way, kind of exactly, sure. yeah. exactly. No, you do very fancy multiple regressions, and they have millions of variables there. Yeah, but but what you can do is zone in, zoom in on a very very small relationship. You know. If, and one of the things that's interesting about stories is the story you tell about yourself not only kind of influences the decisions you make, but the decisions you make influence the story you tell about yourself. Yep. It's this feedback loop yep, sure. about how you think about you and the world influences what you do and what you do kind of influences the story you say. So, you know, if if part of your story becomes I really love Star Wars and then it becomes what I really love about Star Wars is the storytelling. Yeah. And if that becomes, I want to become a writer because of all yeah, of this, yeah. you will probably do that stuff yeah, because yeah. that's a story you're telling about yourself. Yeah. We become the stories we say. Yeah. So I think for that reason, this stuff can be incredibly important. Like, like Frodo inspires me because this is a person who persevered against all obstacles and did X, Y, Z. Like if that helps you to get through a major struggle in your life, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, let let me, okay, so let me, just to like come around towards the beginning again, if you have movies like the original trilogy of Star Wars, right? Comes out, it's six hours of Star Wars. Yeah. And an entire generation of people in the West and all over the world, for that matter, spending hundreds of millions of hours thinking about six hours of stuff, probably cumulatively thinking way more about these movies than the people who actually made the movies. Yeah. Right. You know, in some ways, kind of what we do on this podcast. Absolutely. In some ways, that's what made them special was that it was a limited amount of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it like, will people, let's say, let's say the Marvel thing fizzles out in three to four years. Let's just say that like sure. people kind of get sick of it and they just, whatever it is. Will people look back 30 years from now and say, Oh, remember that really great series of 26 Marvel movies. Or will they just sort of is is it so much noise that it's it, like th- that it loses its impact? You know that it loses. Well, you its know, thunder. I'll be completely honest with you here. Um, I tend not to rewatch a lot of the Marvel movies because I don't really think there's much of a reason to. And I think the greatest legacy of Marvel Studios and what they did is being innovative in creating shared universes, a cinematic shared universe. The fact that we have one movie and a year later we have another movie with similar characters walking around. They interact, plot lines go between them. Which is what they did in comic books for decades, right? Exactly. They did that in comic books forever. It's amazing that they hadn't done that in movies. It takes a lot of guts and planning. And, uh, you know, like you look at Warner Brothers – they had the rights to all the DC characters. They could have done this since the 80s, yeah. um, since before that. They could have done that with after Superman came out, sure. the original Superman. Um, they've never done that. Harder uh, to do those movies, though, without the special effects. Yes, yes. But you could have done a Batman Superman sure. in 1990. There's no yeah, reason yeah. why Tim Burton's Superman. And man, not- it would have been terrible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It would have been weird. It would have been 
really weird. Yeah. Um, like that's going to be the great legacy of the Marvel Studios films, right? And not so much the films, but the like theory behind the films. I think what they did is yeah, yeah is a pretty bold statement, and how they did it. Marvel Studios has been they're they're really crafty in, in how they do this. But if we look at some of those films that I do watch over and over again, yeah. you know, at least every I would say. 15 months, I rewatched 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. And you know, each time I do, I take something new away from it. And I think I'm pretty close to like getting it. Getting it all? Yeah. Like in my own mind. And yeah. I know Kubrick kind of wanted you to take away your own thing from it. Sure. But I, I, I'm at this place now where I think it is, it has big messages about technology, progress, and violence. Sure. And some people... You know, I, I kind of grew and the up. The illusion of civilization. The illusion of civilization, absolutely. Yeah. And <laughs> the film ends on what many people think is a optimistic message with the Star Child. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. You know, but now I'm coming to think is that sort of a is that actually more of a destructive image? But anyways, like that is a film I keep coming back to, and I keep taking something new from. And the sequel, 2010, the year we made contact or whatever, is uh, is pretty bad um and i never revisit it but but there are scenes at the vla which is pretty cool yeah there are scenes and it's (laughs) uh what's his name the main actor roshider he's i love that guy yeah um but a good a good thing you revisit it and you get something new from it the original star trek series yeah i go back to that and you know there's an episode i just recently watched a private little war which is about vietnam like it was created in the middle of the Vietnam War, yeah. commenting on the Vietnam War. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I never yeah. made these connections yeah. until now. Um, so good art, as you revisit it, you will take something away from it. You know, you remember how you said the thing about Captain America where it was bringing in the surveillance state yeah. and all the rest of yeah. it? I, I, it feels like nowadays, okay, back back in your Star Trek example, yeah. that, that the writers and the makers of Star Trek could make that episode and that the powers that be, it probably got past the powers that be because it was a little esoteric. It's a sure. sci-fi show. Yeah, yeah. You, could, you could be a little bit more uh, it's dangerous. Aliens. Right? It's yeah, not yeah, yeah. communist. Right, right. Where nowadays, the powers that be see through that stuff and it's harder to get something that is actually raw commentary nowadays than maybe it was before. Yeah. I or at think, least in the, in the big budget, big movie kind of thing. This is the, you know, so there's cultural hegemony stuff at play. There's sure. you know, only a few corporations actually well, control this stuff. That's a whole other thing that like Marvel, these Marvel movies are global. Yeah. It's like, do we have cultural anything anymore? You know, yeah, or is it just, yeah. is it one big Hollywood culture, one big like American blanket across the Well, you got world? Hollywood and you got Bollywood and you've got um, the Chinese sort of market and that's which, about it. Which was interesting. Did you notice at the beginning of MI5, like yeah. four of the production companies were Chinese? Yes, yes. That was fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, and I, I, I did some reading and I couldn't really find a good answer for why that was or what was going on there. You know, like, I don't know well, if that, that was reminds about distribution of, there. That, that reminds me of Looper, which was also produced in part by a Chinese corporation. Um, and they said, uh, why don't you have uh, the main character instead of going to France, uh, have him come to China. Right. And so that's what happened. Right. That was a a foreign investor studio that impacted the the. The course of of the script yeah. and the story, which happens all the time. Sure, of course. 
but we are now in this global world, which is not how you and I grew up. Right. Films were yeah. like domestic, and maybe they made some movie international, and, but they weren't designed to be international. Right, from and they, the, they from also weren't designed to be. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. Uh-oh. I don't think they were designed to be corporate propaganda 40 years ago as much as they are today. Like the fact that that they made this move to having them go to China as opposed to France, like that's like a geopolitical thing about like giving you know, power more press to like more cultural significance to Chinese locations in the global Hollywood spheres. And like, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of, it feels like a lot of, a lot of like almost like American political money, like on the table. Well, they are, I mean, that all started with uh, Tim Burton's Batman. It was yeah. um, not only a film, but it, there were articles in, in time magazine. There were news stories. There was, um, you could buy the shirt everywhere. Yep. It was a commercial endeavor as much as it was an artistic endeavor. Yeah. And we've seen that grown since then. And I think as that trend has grown, the franchisation yeah. of this stuff has grown. The, uh, and the, now the cross-national nature of all this stuff Exactly, has grown. which gets to, again, how much is too much. We also had a Transformers film last year, which was horrible. Which well, didn't only they, remember they remade Red Dawn a couple of years ago? Yeah. And they switched yeah, it yeah. from China to North Korea or something like that yeah. because they didn't want to piss off the Chinese or whatever yes. that reasoning was like. Yeah. That kind of stuff gets really interesting to me. Like at the point at which art is like really sort of changing everything because of geopolitical stuff going on. It's like fascinating to me. It, art is completely changing this sort of stuff, and um, this kind of reminds me of uh, of a tweet you and I received uh, just a few minutes ago from um, at Ian Li- uh, Livesey, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he was kind of asking, why is British sci-fi so much better than U.S. sci-fi? And he kind of right. quoted Blake Seven versus <laughs> Star Trek. Except for the special effects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doctor Who is is sort of guilty of that, but you know it's BBC funded. They don't. Yeah, have as but much the TARDIS money. is way cooler the, than the Enterprise. But go ahead. Maybe in theory, <laughs> um, but you know the the IDW uh, comic series, which I don't know if you've read, Bill, but it's a uh, it's Doctor Who meets Star Trek. Oh, uh, I have not seen that. Oh, so good. It's good. It's, it's good. Yeah, I think it's called um, Assimilation Squared or something. But it's basically Cybermen and the Borg. Uh, against oh, well, uh, the Enterprise pretty, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. Doctor. But I won't spoil anything, but I will say it takes place <laughs> in, in the Next Generation era Okay, and, and a corresponding Doctor and the original oh, series. Oh, that's a good idea. That's and cute. And a corresponding Doctor. That is pretty cute. Very cool. But to answer this question, um, British science fiction has been, I think, a little bit more allowing of these complex political ideas than American sci-fi. Uh, I, I think that British sci-fi in general is a bit more play-like and a bit more cerebral. Yes. Than, at least, at Definitely least more cerebral. Up until the reboot of Doctor Who. I think the reboot of Doctor Who is a very American way of doing that show. And I'm not taking anything away at from it. I think it's really well done. with the ninth, or not ninth Doctor, with the tenth Doctor. Yeah, I would say the ninth just, doctor still felt very British. Well, me. I mean, it all feels British in the sense, but like you can tell that they're building it for a for a global More of an audience. Yeah, yeah. It, it did become globalized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels There's very, a world tour feels, for the twelfth right. doctor. It feels more. It feels more Hollywood than it does London to me. You yeah, sure? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
or uh, Wales. Mine is especially or Cardiff. Still. <laughs> right, right, right. But 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 yeah. But there, I mean, there's a it's a good example. But like, see, there he is. Ian thinks that British sci-fi is better than American. It's like, and I'm yeah. sure there's, you know, I'm sure that there's Chinese and Indian sci-fi that I don't know about. Right. That you know. Yeah. There's a great tradition of um, Middle Eastern sci-fi there you go. that yeah. you know not right. too many people have been exposed to. Um, but like to tie this in here, I. Th- the bit, how much is too much is our question, right. and as What's Hollywood <laughs> as Hollywood has grown larger and larger in size, and these films are becoming so much more expensive yep. and so much more risky for them to fail, they have to become in some ways safer bets. So you rely on franchises yep. that you are become more conservative. Of, you become yep. more conservative. You um, you have Formulaic. to formulaic right you have to appeal to the lowest common denominator internationally and then we get a lot of this stuff and so i think as you get bigger and bigger it is hard to be more unique and to get back to what started all of this star trek and star wars you know star trek wasn't able to do that the big question now is will star wars be able to and i don't know what the answer is but you could argue that the the new star trek movies are much less star trek and more sort of star warsy kind of feeling they are you know this is not this is not the which i know serious trekkies are just like yeah they're entertaining movies but they're not star trek well are you saying i'm not a serious trekkie i love these new ones i know you do but you also will agree that they are not they're not, they're not within, they're a different yes. interpretation exactly. yeah. of what Star Trek it's, means. It's a much more like hard story based, action based thing than yeah. the original series kind of. Yeah, set, absolutely. absolutely. And, and, and so there's something that got lost there. In yeah. Way. And what, you know, what British sci-fi can do and what indie sci-fi can do and what people making stuff on the Internet can do is you are not stuck with the same uh, same goals as Hollywood. Yep. You can do stuff that is more innovative, more different. You know, you can make a, a, a snow piercer, yep. which is like really cool. Yeah. How many? How much money did that cost? Nah, I don't know how much it cost. The budget must but, have still been like $50 million. Yeah, million it, wasn't, it wasn't a huge... But you could make primer with a couple camcorders and exactly. a really good idea. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, I feel like the world needs more of those, is what I'm saying. The world does need more of those, and one of the problems that people like you and I have is, as we're making this podcast, we're trying... You know, and this is a problem we have on, on this podcast, is when we choose topics and we look at the analytics... We get a lot more people listening to our Avengers episode than we do, um, you know, our Brian Lee O'Malley seconds episode, which sure. is a great graphic novel right. that came out. You got to go where the audience is. You got to go where the audience right. is, and the audience is more towards the big stuff. So it's hard to find the small yeah. stuff. It's hard to justify it's, the small stuff. It's hard to justify the small stuff. And there's so many gems out there, it's, it's hard to find it. Whereas we get inundated with Avengers, Ant-Man, Star Wars, Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. So... Gosh, it's um, I don't know. I, 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 I guess to wrap this up, I worry that episode seven is going to be fun. Rogue one is going to be fun. A Star Wars film or a Star Wars story. Yes. Uh, uh, episode eight might be fun, right? But at a certain point, I'm going to be like, episode eight is going to be horrible, but episode nine will redeem it. Yeah, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. I but, think they're but, all going to be great. But, but <laughs> I mean, because they know that. The advantage that Star Wars has is that there is an entire generation of people who became filmmakers because of Star Wars. 
and all of those people are the people making the new Star Wars movies. Yeah, so yeah. So there's a love of it that right. is that is like well, in so intense. That's that's what these it people comes have down been thinking to. about new Star Wars movies for the last forty years of exactly. their lives. You Bill, know? you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> it comes down to the artist behind yeah. the work. Right. We have people, and this is Kathleen Kennedy mm-hmm. is the is sort of the president of Lucasfilm, and yeah. Disney has taken on Lucasfilm and said, "You guys do what you do best." And Kathleen Kennedy said, I'm going to maintain the integrity of these stories. I know the I, thing I about Star that's Wars. Because I saw her on the like, you know, that big giant international webcast thing they did a couple months ago. Where oh, they, like, well, you for know, Star Wars Celebration, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. fantastic. They're broadcasting But man, so she much gets up it. there and there's just this smile on her face because she's just like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. I, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. But I also think the thing I will always give Lucasfilm and Star Wars yeah. that Paramount has never done. Is they have embraced the fans. They've sure. embraced the fandom. Yep. They they have a fan film context. Sure. They've never prosecuted people for making fan films. Yep. They they weave in the 501st Legion, the these group of people who dress up as the characters yep. for charity. Like they have always embraced the fans. And something that JJ Abrams, one of the reasons why I think he's so nervous and anxious right now is he knows. He has such a debt to pay to fans because he is one of them. Yep. And he knows the reason why he became a filmmaker is the original Star Wars. Yeah. Like he, he owes he, a massive. Yeah, this debt. is his shot. This is this, like uh, he's at bat right now. Yeah, and he's going to knock it out of the park. He's got to hit it out. Yeah, he's got to hit it out. The thing with Paramount is they've <sighs> maybe or part the average of this, public has had enough Star Trek. What's that? Maybe the world has had enough Star Trek. Well, the world got a hell of a lot of Star Trek, right? And, and they've only had ten hours of Star Wars ever. Exactly. Or whatever. Yeah. You know. So I think the question is how much is too much is what is the artistic value of the uh, of the enterprise, you know, yeah. that that we're discussing here. Kevin Feige, the the president, uh, I believe is a president of Marvel Studios, does a nice job creating these stories. I think what he's doing with the with the Marvel films is really making stuff that is very easy for a lot of people to consume. Yep. And by doing that, we get stuff like Winter Soldier, which gets close to but doesn't necessarily hit on those those main notes of uh, of real social commentary. Sure. Kind of, but that's those are what a lot of the Marvel comics are about. So how much is, is too much? You know, I think as long as we're getting quality stories and yeah. that's up to debate. And that's, that's, a subject that's a gray area. Thing. Sure. That's a gray area, yep. you know, and you got to pay the bills. Yep. At the same time. Um, we need stuff that I want to see stuff that lives on in my mind and makes me wonder and dream about that world, you know? <laughs> okay. No, that's fair. So dear listeners, let us know how much is too much. Are you fed up with the Marvel films? Can you, are you counting down the days to the new star Wars? Are you excited for star Trek beyond? Do you want to revisit middle earth? Um, send us a comment. Uh, you can find us at nerd hour on Twitter. We also have a website, nerdhour.com. We'll get you there. You can email us at info at superfantasticnerdhour.com. Mr. Bill Wadman, where can people find more of your excellent work? Well, they can listen to my podcast on Taking Pictures, which is over at 5x5.tv slash OTP. Or uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Bill Wadman and, you know, everywhere else. And BillWadman.com. It's been great to see you on Instagram, actually, to actually see not only uh, your professional work, yeah. but also kind of like your more fun work. Yeah, it's funny because I, it's, especially on Instagram, I 
I put stuff up when I see stuff. I'm not yeah. like a, I have to put up four things today. And you know, it's like, <laughs> How if much I just see some weird thing on the street, I'll, I'll take a picture, which it's interesting. That's a whole other thing is like, you know, especially with social media, people ask, Oh, you know, you need to be more consistent for people yeah. to like you. Like there's all these like theories and strategies and whatever. It's like, Oh, for, I just, I want to have fun. This is not a, you know, have fun and be yourself. I know. That's, that's what works on, on this stuff. And that's what makes it. That's what the super and, fantastic nerd hour is all about. That's, that's what we try to be <laughs> is fun and, and to be true to, to our stuff. Um, mm. You can find me on Twitter as well at Alima too. I am also uh, the science fiction psychologist at brainknowsbetter.com. And um, I run a little uh, uh, internet show called the psych show, which you can find at the you can also like it on Facebook. Until next time, nerdlings. Um, I can't say this without Conrad. Sure you can. You uh, I can mean, do it. okay, live long and prosper. Uh, I think the correct answer to that is my wife. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs>